you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to the the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, would you, if you have your Bibles? And, and I encourage you, bring your Bibles, bring your Bibles to church and, and mark them up and, and, uh, and, and take notes. You can do that along, don't cross any words out, but you can circle some words in your Bible and, 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 and put some little notes there. But bring your Bibles, if at all possible. Luke chapter 24, for some weeks, for some weeks we have brought messages, myself and others, on the pastoral staff, we have brought messages that have to do with going the distance in our walk with Jesus Christ. Going the distance, that's been the theme. Going the distance. Another way you could put it is finishing stronger or or finishing the journey or continuing on the journey with Christ. Going the distance. That serving Jesus is not a one-time event where we surrender our, though that's a wonderful beginning, we surrender our lives to Christ, but that isn't, that isn't like check the box, I'm done, I'm, you know, everything's paid up and I'm going to heaven. No, that, it was never intended to be that way, but rather our relationship with Jesus Christ is an ongoing journey that begins at salvation and continues on through the rest of our lives. And then at the point of death or Jesus's return, we continue that relationship in heaven forever. What a great deal. I mean, you think about that. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and for the rest of eternity, there's that, that comma, if you will, called death, but it, it, it just, it's a pause because it continues on. But, but what Jesus accomplished on that cross in purchasing our salvation, but it is a journey, and we are to go the distance in our relationship with Him. I have known, and perhaps you have as well, persons who claim faith in Christ but then walk away from Christ. Now, obviously, that happens. You have seen that. Perhaps you have been there. Maybe there, has, there is a period of your life that you can look back on and you go, you know, for a time there, I was just kind of going through the motions, or for a time, I, I just totally turn my back on the Lord. Well, thank God that you came back, but some people, they, they begin the journey, but they don't go the distance in the journey. So, in these weeks, the Lord very clearly put it on our hearts to bring these series of messages that will help us, the tools, if you will, giving us tools that will help us go the distance to serve Jesus Christ all of your life, and you're going to spend, and not only that you just make it to heaven, right? Because if that's just the goal, that's, that's one thing, and that's good, but, but there's more than that, but to make a difference in other people's lives as we're going through this journey. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's not just, hallelujah, I want to get to heaven. It's, I want to go to heaven, but before I get to heaven, I want to affect change in people's lives around me that I want to make a difference in the limited amount of time that I have. Listen, folks, I don't care how long you live, it's a limited amount of time. I've talked with people who are in their 80s and 90s and even people that were 100 or more, and the funny thing is they say, life is gone quickly. 
They used to just bother me. I thought, good grief. I, I remember as a kid, I, 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 I talking to a guy, and he was in his 50s, and he said, oh, it's just been gone so I said, man, you're a fossil. Why, why are you even talking like that? I realize now that fossil, fifth people in their 50s are not fossils. That's people in their 70s or more. That's the fossil I mean. <laughs> But life goes quickly. But in the time that we have to make a difference, to, to, to influence people for the kingdom, not just sell something to them or not just encourage them to do something or not just help them do something, but to affect eternal change in people. That's really the goal. That's why we want to go the distance. So here in Luke chapter 24, you turn there in your Bibles, Jesus, let me give you kind of a, a time frame of, or, or, or setting in which this is happening. Jesus is meeting with his disciples and it is after, it is after his crucifixion and his resurrection. It's that relatively short period of time, just a few weeks, between the time that he was raised from the dead and the time that he ascended into heaven. So he's with his disciples during this time. All of the disciples, all of the disciples except Judas, and that's his story is stuff for another time, but all of the disciples except Judas, there are 11 now that are remaining, had gone the distance to this point. All of them except one had gone the distance to this point. Now, now some had faltered. We know some of their stories. Uh, some had abandoned and, 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 and even, you know, dismissed Jesus. Some had questioned him. Uh, uh, some still had questions. We know that from Scripture. Uh, but they were with him, all right? They were with him. These people that had been with him now at this point for about three years, they were with him, and up to this point, they had gone the distance. So Jesus was about to ascend, that means physically be lifted up into heaven. That was about to happen. He was about to ascend into heaven, but before he left them, he, had, uh, he said this in verses 46 and 47 of Luke. Uh, 24. This is what is written. Verse 46. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus is, in a way, quoting himself. He had earlier foretold how he was going to suffer and be betrayed and how he would die and be raised again. So what he's saying right here, part of what he said here had already happened. As I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus had suffered and he had died on the cross and he had been raised from the dead. But then Jesus proceeds on in this scripture that's before you then Jesus said that the message of repentance and forgiveness, this was his message, repentance and forgiveness, would be preached in his name. I want you to see that. He said it would be preached, the repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. It says it, it would begin in Jerusalem, that's where the message would begin, in just a relatively short period of time, and then it would spread to the entire world, right? The, the, the message, the, the repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to 
all nations, that's not just geographic or political entities, but people's groups, to every kind of ethnic group, to every kind of language group, to every kind of any person in any place throughout the world, Jesus said this was going to happen. So Jesus here at this point, he's about to ascend into heaven. The crucifixion and the resurrection have already happened, and he's instructing them. And what Jesus said would happen. We know it happened, right? Because we have the book of Acts and we see the beginning of what Jesus said would happen right here in this chapter. We, we, we see the beginning of that, but we also know that it is still happening. What Jesus said here in verse 47 is still happening. Do you know that today around the world in more places than any person can count, the, the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins is being preached in his name in every place. And it started in Jerusalem, but it's continuing on today. Glory to God. That's pretty cool. Last night, uh, my wife and I were talking with one of the missionaries that we support uh, here at AFA, uh, one of the missionaries that we support. We were talking with her uh, last night, and she's clear on the other, literally on the other side of the world. And, and she is being used of God to take the message of Jesus Christ to, to those people, which is about as, well, I, I suppose that, that's, that place is probably closer to Jerusalem than, than it is to where we are, but it's a long way from Jerusalem. And yet what Jesus said would happen is still happening even to this very minute. It's still happening, and God is using us to that end. Josh and Rachel return in a few days to Africa. They're, they're going to be, continue to be used in completing what God what Jesus said would happen right here. But before Jesus left, here's the thing. Before Jesus left, he gave one more instruction. So you understand the time frame. He, before he ascends into heaven, he gives one more instruction. It's in verse 48 and following. Jesus said this, you are my witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus here said that his father had promised something. I want you to see that. He said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. So what was the promise? Well, earlier in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, it records, uh, again, some of the dialogue of Jesus and in John chapter 14, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. We mentioned this just a few weeks ago, how, how Jesus, one of the names of Jesus is God with us, right? Emmanuel means God with us and that God is going to be in our presence. It's this same Jesus here said that the, that the, the promise that is going to come, he, he talks about the counselor who will be with you forever. Jesus knew that in a very short time, he was physically going to be removed from them, but he said in John 14, he said, but my Father is going to give you a counselor who will be with you forever. You're not going to be alone, he said. He also said this in John chapter 14, a few verses later. He said, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So, again, he's foretelling, he's telling of them of something that is going to happen, that the Father is going to send them, and he says, he's going to send you a counselor. That's the second time in John 14 that he uses that. A counselor, someone who gives counsel, or someone who gives direction, or someone who gives instruction. Someone who is very trusted, someone who's going to be there as an advocate in the most difficult and challenging and best of times, someone who will be your counselor. He said, my father is going to give you a counselor who will teach you. He says, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So Jesus is saying that the father is going to send a counselor who's going to both teach all things and who's going to remind us of what Jesus said. He's going to bring back to our minds, back to our memories, back to our life experiences right now of what Jesus did. So the promise, quite simply, the promise that Jesus is speaking here in Luke chapter 24 is the, the promise was the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to leave, but... The promise of the Father is going to come to you. He's speaking about the person. He's not talking about a thing. He's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, who had, who had sent His Son, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who was with them for roughly 33 years and three years of public ministry, the Father was going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them, to counsel and to teach and to instruct and to remind. Here's the thing. There was a, it was a promise. It was a promise with instructions, right? I don't know, you ever do that? You say, all right, I think maybe especially those of us who, who are parents or maybe grandparents, you promise them but it's, it's a promise with instruction, right? You ever do that? I promise you this. If you, do, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. It's a promise with instruction. Jesus said here in this text that they were to stay in the city. Jesus said they were to stay in the city. He told them to go back to Jerusalem, to go back to Jerusalem and to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. You see that? I want you to see that, to go back and to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Now, now again, understand this context. Think of this. These disciples are hearing this. Consider this, consider what Jesus is saying from their perspective. I often do this when I'm reading through the Bible. I'll, I'll go and I'll go, you know, I wonder, I put myself in that situation, I go, I wonder how I would respond if I were there that day. If, if I, not knowing what I know now, but only what they knew then, I wonder how I would respond. And, and I put myself, I just kind of situate myself there with the disciples, and, and I wonder what went through their minds when they, they heard this. I wonder how they received it. I wonder that because the disciples had already done so much. The disciples had already experienced so much. They had been with Jesus, as I mentioned a moment ago, they had been with Jesus for about three years, maybe a little bit more than that. 
They had, they had walked with him and talked with him. They had lived with him. They had journeyed with him. They'd been with him. They had been with Jesus for, that's a long time. You know, that's like, like well over a thousand days. I tell you what, some, you, you can get to know uh, one person pretty well in just four or five days, but think about over a thousand days. They'd been with Jesus. Not only that, but they had learned from all of his teachings. All of the, almost all of the red that you see, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, they were there up front and personal to hear all of that instruction. So when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, they heard it. When Jesus is dialoguing with a couple of characters from the Old Testament, some of them, three of them, heard it. When, when Jesus prayed those prayers, someone else, they heard it. They were right there. In fact, they not only heard everything that is in red in your Bibles, but there were a lot of other things that Jesus said and did, and they heard and witnessed all of that. They had experienced the miraculous, right? I mean, they had eaten food that had been miraculously provided by Jesus. They had seen firsthand Jesus raise people from the dead, heal people with incurable diseases, uh, set people free who had been demon-possessed. These, these people had seen and experienced all of that. One of the disciples, we know, one of the disciples was even present at the crucifixion. And all of them, except Judas, all of them had seen Jesus after the resurrection. They'd even touched him. They'd, they'd, they'd put their hands where his hands were scarred. They, they'd touched his side where, the, where the, 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 sword, the, the spear had pierced him. So they had experienced him. Wasn't all of that enough to take the message of Jesus to the world? You'd think, you know, isn't that enough? <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting there along with the disciples and I'm going, Really? I mean, you're about to leave and, and, and you're telling us, that, and, and we got to go wait? Isn't this enough? What else do we need to do before we go out, <coughs> excuse me, and do what you've called us to do? Were they not already sufficiently prepared? Well, the answer is apparently not. They were not sufficiently prepared because Jesus told them to go back and to wait. He said that they were to wait, and you see the scripture before you, they were to wait until they were clothed with power from on high. He said, I want you to go back. I paraphrase now. He says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there until the promise arrives. And when the promise arrives, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And you're to wait there until that happens. You're to wait until you are clothed with power. Clothing, uh, or clothed, that's an interesting uh, phrase. Uh, we all know what clothing is. Clothing is very important stuff, not, not just for purposes of modesty, but clothing clothing uh, has a way of doing a couple of other things. Now, it can also, I suppose, draw attention to ourselves, but I think the main thing that clothing does, it protects us, right? And those of us who live in the Dakotas and the upper, uh, upper part, uh, you know, we, how many here are thankful for clothing, <laughs> right? Layers, right? Right. You got to layer it on this time of year. So, I'm, so clothing we know protects us. But if you ever think about this, clothing also identifies us. You know, some people are immediately identified by their clothing. I, I, I would assume it's probably, um, it's probably in public. It is, it is illegal 
for someone to dress up as a police officer and, and put a little tin badge on. I'm, I'm thinking if it's not illegal, it should be because uh, the purpose of that clothing is to immediately identify that they have a certain degree of authority. Same thing with any other, with, uh, with a lot of other professions where you, you identify them by what they wear. So protection Clothing protects us and clothing identifies us. They were to be clothed with power from on high. So while Jesus' sacrifice was complete, and while the disciples were were very instructed, in fact, I think they pretty much received at this point all of the personal instruction uh, with this exception, this final instruction, they've received now all of the instruction that they're going to get from Jesus personally. And while the message was very urgent because people were dying every day and, 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 and going into eternity without Christ, the message was very urgent. While all of that was happening, Jesus also knew, he also knew that his people could not go the distance. They could not go the distance. They could not do what he called them to do if they were not wrapped in the power of his Holy Spirit. He knew that they needed to be clothed. They needed to be protected. They needed to be identified by Holy Spirit power. The Greek word that is used here is a word called enduo. It it means to be be wrapped in or to be consumed by, to to, to wear the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to be clothed with power from on high. I want you to be clothed in the power of the promised Holy Spirit. He wanted them to be protected, clothed, and identified by Holy Spirit power. These these people, he wanted them that when they went into a community, people would be able to identify them because they had Holy Spirit power upon them. Now, people may not, as they came into a community, they may not have looked at them and said, oh, that's Holy Spirit power. They wouldn't have been able to put the right words to it, but he wanted them to be so empowered by God that when they came into any environment, the people around them, they would not only be protected, but that the people there would say, there's something very special about that person. There was Holy Spirit power upon them. Now I look at Jesus' words here in Luke chapter 24, this, this final instruction. I, I look at this final instruction that Jesus had for his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And I, and I think to myself, you know what? If they needed it, I really need it. That if, if those people a long time ago, long, far away, if they needed that Holy Spirit identifying power how much more so do you and I need it? If they needed to be protected and identified by the power of the Holy Spirit, then I am absolutely foolish if I think that I can get by without Him. So, here's a very simple question for you. Is your life marked 
identified by Holy Spirit power? Are you clothed, endued, wrapped in the power of the Holy Spirit? Today, now a lot of years later, right? A lot of, lot of things and a lot of church history has passed between then and now. Today, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said was so essential that they were not to begin until they received him, I have to say this, has often been treated like an option. That Holy Spirit power that people recognize sometimes has been relegated to, oh, that's great for someone else, and I'm really grateful that God is using them, and I'm grateful that they're a great man and woman of God who's mightily used of him, but it's not, necessarily, it's not necessarily for me. That is not to be. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but he's also speaking to every one of us that we too can be and should be wrapped in and identified by the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we go, that people will reckon. They may not be able to put it into words, but they'll be able to identify there's something different. You know, it, it was interesting, and I, I, it, I mentioned this to someone earlier, and I, it just came to my mind again. <clears throat> this last week, it was interesting, in that service that I spoke of a few moments ago in, in, in our state's capital, it, it was the, the, the presence and power of the Lord Jesus Christ was, was there. Thank you again for praying. I sensed it. Joni, as she led in worship there, sensed it. And, and it was so interesting because afterwards, people came up to us. I mean, there were so many people. It took us about an hour and a half to get out of there because person after person would come up to me, and many of them, I think, did not have a relationship with the Lord because they would say things like, I don't know what, what it was about today, but this was so special. Or, wow, what you said was so inspiring. Well, it wasn't anything that I said. It was the presence of God that was moving. And, and their spirit, even though it may not yet be, be saved and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, there, there was something in them that was like, I don't know what this is, but I like it. And, 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 and they identified something. And, and, and it wasn't me. It was the Spirit of God on me and on my wife and upon many other believers who gathered there. That's what the, it was. It was they, they didn't know what it was, but they liked what it was. And how many people, how many people go, well, that's great, or that's, you know, that's for a few people, or that's for some churches, or, well, you know, that might happen. You might get a little bit of that in a lifetime, and, and I reject that. I believe what Jesus promised to those disciples back then is available to every person here today, and every person that calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, many people who claim faith in Christ you know this, I referred to it a moment ago. Many people who claim faith in Jesus Christ then waver in their faith. God does a work in them and it's, it's undeniable. You, you see it, a change in their heart, their demeanor, the things that they surround themselves with, the people they surround And then over the course of a period of time, sometimes a long time, sometimes a little bit of time, they begin to waver they begin to waver in their faith with Jesus Christ. Yet 
The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit, get this, empowers us to live for Him. The Spirit of God can come upon us, clothe us, if you will, to help us live for Him. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, it's another 3.16, Ephesians 3.16 says we are to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, in the inner person, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He strengthens the inner person. He strengthens me on the eternal part of me so that when, when I or when you, when we go and we encounter some of the evil in this world, when we see it, He supernaturally strengthens us so that we can resist it, fight against it, and live for Jesus. But if we try to do it on ourselves, we're going to get pushed around, and we're often going to be defeated. Why do people often waver in their faith in, in, uh, in, their faith in Christ? <clears throat> it's because they've not clothed themselves in the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. Or because they're not clothed, and we don't do it ourselves. He does it, but, but, but they're not clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit... It does not move upon us just so that we can be used in certain ways, but He empowers us to live for Him to go the distance, to go the distance. Many Christians today, many Christians throughout time, many Christians even all the way back to the book of Acts have been reluctant to share Christ with those who don't yet know Him. Why is that? I mean, why is that 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 some Christians are reluctant to share their faith in Christ. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say this. There are some people who claim faith in Jesus Christ who say that Jesus has transformed them and yet they've never shared their faith in Christ with another person. Now that bothers you just a little bit. So be it. My purpose is not to to expose or to embarrass but to challenge. If, if His Holy Spirit power is upon us, He empowers us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. They could not have, those first disciples could not have done, they could not have done what they did were it not for the power of the Holy Spirit. And why is it that while Christianity as a movement the body of Christ, I think it would be a better term, has been around for a very long period of time, better part of 2,000 years, and yet this world isn't more reached. I believe it's because many Christians have failed to understand that He empowers me not only to live for Him, but He empowers me to tell other people about Him. And I can promise you this, when the Spirit of God is on you, when you're clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will have not only opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people, but you will want to because you will be energized. And you, I mean, it, it, you're, it's going to be like, yes, I want to do this. Why? Because that's, that's one of the ways in which He empowers us. One of the reasons that many people have not is because they're trying to do it in their own power. They're trying to, to get the message out in their own power rather than in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some Christians, some Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, 
people who have claimed faith in him, and I really believe are saved, but there are many people who have experienced salvation, but who no longer trust God for supernatural signs and wonders. There are people who are living today who say, I love Jesus, but he no longer works in certain ways among people. And I too reject that because I believe from what the Bible says that he empowers us to go out and signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And people will be transformed and people will come to Christ because in the name of Jesus, they pray for people and they're healed. Or they pray for people and they're delivered. Or they pray for people and they were, they're supernaturally provided. It's an amazing thing. You know what? You know that there are still demon-possessed people out there today? How many of you know? Well, don't raise your hand to that. So if there are still demon-possessed people, I believe that God still wants to use people to pray for them and set the captives free. There are still sick people today. You know that. And, 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 and if you, I, I don't always understand why sometimes we, we pray and it doesn't happen, but I tell you what, I have experienced the supernatural power of healing power of God in my life and so have many of you. But it's not just that, it's, oh God, use me to pray for someone else. You, you want to get me upset. I, 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 I'm, it takes me a lot to get upset. But, but to, to say, oh man, I need to get, somebody's sick and, and I need to get them to the pastor to pray for them. Listen, you have the power of God upon you. You have the authority. If you are wrapped and empowered by his spirit, you have the authority to lay hands on the sick and they will recover in Jesus' name. Don't just think, oh, that's just for a certain few people. I'm glad to do it, but we're all supposed, we're, we're all of us to be wrapped in, to be clothed in, to be empowered by His Holy Spirit. So many people don't know the supernatural power of God's Spirit can reside within them. There may be, even be some here this morning. <clears throat> you don't know that God desires to use you in ways that you never imagined. A few moments ago, I mentioned that, that finishing strong is not just, you know, falling across the finish line and making our way into heaven just by that much. You know, that's... Reject that. Or that the objective of you coming to Christ is just to get you into heaven. no. He, he has prepared a place for you, but between now and the time that you go to heaven, he wants to use you in affecting change in other people around you. And he wants to empower you. So I'm going to ask for the second time. Have you been clothed in, wrapped in, empowered by, another way that we put, baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit? Say, well, I don't know. Well, he wants to do it in you today. 
He wants to do something in you today and in the days following that will take you from where you are to where he wants, and he's going to use you in, a, in amazing ways. I'll tell you what, I have very limited time this morning, um, like almost every any Sunday morning, but I could give you so many examples of people who have been filled with the Spirit of God, who've been clothed with. I want you to get that picture in your minds, that clothes. They have, the, the power of God has not only identified by the power of God, but they are empowered by the power of God and protected by the power of God. And I want that for you. I want that for you. I want to finish with just a testimony. It's a personal testimony. I've shared some of this before. I grew up in a Christian home Mom and dad, very God-honoring and great home. Around age 16, I really began struggling with some besetting sins. That's kind of a fancy way of saying just there were some things that uh, I still had a relationship with Christ, but boy, I was really drawn away by certain things. And about age 17, God did a really delivering, powerful work in my life. And at age 17, I, it, it, was a, it was a different person, of course. It was a different place and probably a different text. But somebody shared that, that I could be clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. I could be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. That I could, I could, I could be used in the power of the Holy Spirit. And at age 17... I was filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, though I, I, though I cannot recall when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was so young, I'll never forget that day and when, when he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, from that day to this day, has it been perfect? Absolutely not. But what a joy, because I, I looked at my, I thought, oh, God, you can never use me. I'm just, I can't, you can't use me. Well, he, he wanted to use me regardless of what I did for a living. He wanted to use me. And I realized that night that he could use me. And from that day to this day, he has been using me. And to be honest with you, there's a part of me that hopes that I live a really long time and that he delays his coming because I want to be used as much as I can in the time that I have. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying, you know, Lord, don't come back. I'm, I'm simply saying, if it's, if it's for a long time from now, I'm okay with that because I want to be used in the meantime. But here's the thing, I want that for you as well. I'd like you to stand across this, everyone, if you can, stand. Worship team, if you would come, we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier. And here's, here's how we're going to close. Here's how we're going to close. This is very important. Please, if at all possible, don't leave yet. No one. Unless you absolutely have to. I want you to be praying and in these next few minutes, Lord, empower me. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform my life. Use me. Get that word, clothe me in the power of your Holy Spirit. Clothe me. Clothe me. Before we go any further, they're going to continue to prepare themselves and we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier, but I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, right now in these moments ahead, we want more of you. We want more of your power. We want more of your anointing. I want your power to be on me, Lord. I want your power to be on me. Many years ago, Lord, I, I did a rededication and, and you did such a deliverance in my life. And, and I remember that, <clears throat> that weekday night at that altar and, and, and how you transformed me. And, 
and, and, and I felt for the first time the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit upon me. I want that, Lord. I want that for every person here. I want what those disciples experienced. I want them to experience it. So we pray this. So move in us. Move in us. Move by your Holy Spirit. Come upon every one of us here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to open it up for prayer. Um, I want you to consider this right here, the close of this service. I'm not going to come back. And if you need to go, then, then please feel free to do so in just a moment. But we're going to be worshiping the Lord. And if you're wanting more power, more power. I mean, Lord, I want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to shake some of you up, but I'm going to say it. I knew that I was filled with the Spirit at age 17 in that faraway, long ago place. I knew that I was filled with the Holy Spirit because for the first time in my life, I prayed in a language that I had never learned on my own. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, I, and I, it was evidenced. It was, it was, it was I, I knew that it happened because I spoke in a language. From that day to this day, almost every day, I've prayed in the Spirit. That's not a weird thing. It's a biblical thing. Stop accepting the lie that someone put in your head long time ago that that's, that's biblical. Spirit-filled believer is biblical. The spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-clothed person, that's how it's supposed to be. God wants to use you. So these altars are going to be open. If you want more power, if you want more power of God, and, 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 just, and, and all you're praying is, Lord, just fill me. Just, just clothe me again. Give me more power of your Holy Spirit. And you just come. So these altars are going to be open, and you're going to be moving in just a moment. As soon as the music begins, as soon as we begin singing, rather, I want you to go ahead and start moving forward. Don't you wait for someone else. This service is done, but it's not done until you leave. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power whenever you leave. But let's spend some time around these altars and simply praying, God, fill me. God, use me. God, give me your power. Clothe me in the promised Holy Spirit. God bless you this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and dream.